0: Long talk radio. <laughs> <laughs> I think pretty good sometimes but it doesn't work. That's when I
1: started adjusting my There There's none there. Okay. It works right now. It yeah, used to, uh, It'll get better. Yeah. I just think one. See. Yeah. Right, right, right in here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it is.
1: It is right, right, right in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet it is. All right. Well, praise God. It's good to be in church. Amen. All right. Take your songbook out. Let's stand together. We're going to turn to number 89. Number 89. I got a mansion just over the hilltop. Thomas had to do that. Doesn't matter. Get Robert up. I thought about blowing a kiss at him or winking, but somebody on camera might think like it was I was doing that to somebody else. So I decided I'd go like this and say, "Come on." <laughs> well, right. Well, praise God. It's good to be in church tonight. I'm glad we can have a good time, laugh a little bit. Amen. Glad so many of you here tonight. That's encouraging. I pulled up and seen seen all them vehicles. I said, "Wow, it's Wednesday. What's going on?" Amen. I'm glad you're here. Praise the Lord. Amen. Do we have prayer requests tonight? I know Scott right off the bat. I'm gonna pray for Scott right off the bat. Uh, he's got some at least some encouraging uh, word on his on his phone appointment yesterday that he's going in to see the nurse practitioner. He said about his possible surgery on his neck. So just be praying about that. Just praying God works and God. God does some things there. I don't know. I don't know what the answers are, but God knows, and we're just gonna keep praying and trusting me. Yes, others tonight. I
0: have two things. I have,
1: uh-huh. I have to go see a doctor today, and for the because they wanted to discontinue her payment through. I uh, don't. It's not what stuff. It's social security type thing, but it's a uh, anyway doesn't matter. But anyway, this lawyer that she saw today actually had a problem after he took the shot. He had heart problems. Really? And so he was very encouraged because
0: he said, we will fight for you. All right. And so she had a really good day because she was getting so depressed. Mm-hmm. So I want to thank
1: the Lord for that. Yes, I Amen. No church starts at this time. You set that alarm for church. I, guess. I don't know what that alarm is for, Dave, but it goes off every time.
0: Okay. All right. All right.
1: Praise the Lord. Somebody else tonight, Miss Charlotte.
0: i my four Yes, ma'am. And I got unspoken. All
1: right. All right. Anybody else? Remember Richard in prayer. I mean, you too. We praying pray for you too. Yes. Others. Pray for Joanne's eyes to clear up and blurriness to go away. Better. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going. It's going to take a little bit to heal. You know. Um, you're going. <laughs> you, you're going to get gooder and gooder. You're going to just feel better and better about it. of <laughs> Yes, he does. Anybody else? just need to be praying for our country, pray for, I, that's something I think about every now and then, we just need to pray for all the all the gospel preachers around the world that are, that are still faithful to the word of God, because you know that, I know there's some, there's some men in churches uh, stuck off in a corner somewhere in this country, and they feel like the loneliest man in the world, feel like nobody cares about them, feel like they're not doing anything, and it don't matter, and uh, I just want to pray for them tonight, because I, I, I felt like it was. It's it's a lonely feeling, the devil just plays upon on your mind when you get like that. So let's just pray for them, all all of them, that they'll keep going and just keep serving God and and just thumb the nose at the devil. Uh, all right. Anybody else? Anything else? before We go to the Lord. Yes, Miss Charlotte. Pray for Israel. Yes, pray for Israel too. That's right. All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to meet with us tonight. Robert leads in prayer. Well, oh, I had to I stand to I'll just go to the the well, I'll always prayer I'm Lord, I to Just, I'll just I'll 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 uh, Amy. you. can be saved. Thank 185, 185, rock of ages, cleft for me, amen, and I know in the book it's 3-4 time, which is, rock of ages, cleft for me, but we're going to do it 6-8, which is, rock of ages, cleft
0: for me, alright, ready?
1: do that. I done took off I went on the wrong tune, didn't I? What? blame it on them monkeying with the words they got me tangled up. But anyway, we're good. Praise the Lord. Four hundred and twenty-three. Four twenty-three. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Oh, Appreciate Miss Joanne's piano playing, but I just like to play guitar every night, man. And I hate—I hate you have to go have surgery for me to get a break in there. But hey, that's all, you have a break. Oh, I know, but Amen. But praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You got it fixed, and, and hopefully better days of seeing her head for you, Amen. Take your Bible with me tonight. We're going to look at Psalm 23. Psalm 23, and I know we. We normally start about twenty after, It's about twenty five after, so it cuts us a little short, but I don't have quite as many quite as many pages of notes tonight, so maybe we'll even out. Huh? <laughs> I did I say Psalms? I thought you said stop. Say stop saying it ain't gonna take very long. Oh, proverbs. I'm sorry. Did I say Psalms? I didn't mean Psalms. I said pro I meant proverbs. You know, sometimes your mouth opens up and stuff comes out, and it ain't what you was thinking. I did, too. I mean, I, evidently, I did, too. Proverbs, the 23rd chapter, not Psalm 23. We know that one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. <laughs> Y'all know the rest of it. Let's don't have to go Tonight we're going to look at Proverbs 23, and we're going to look at eight verses. Don't let that scare you; they combine. Amen. So it's not, it's not taking every verse and breaking it down. So it won't take us that long, hopefully. And we're going to we're going to go ahead and we're just going to pray and we're going to get right on into it tonight. So let's do that. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you tonight, Lord. I, I'm thankful that, Lord, even though I get tangled up, Lord, you never do. Lord, we can get mixed up as we can if we want to, but Lord, you still You still get us straightened out when we put ourselves in your hands, Lord God, and I'm thankful for that tonight. I'm thankful for the Word of God that straightens us out, that teaches us what's right, and Lord God, I pray tonight as we go to the Word of God, Father, I pray that you'll, Lord, you'll impress upon us these truths, Father, that are so, so important in this world that we live in, even though these things were written down, uh, Lord, by, by King Solomon so, so long ago, Lord, as you gave him the wisdom to write down. Lord God, they're still just as applicable to us today as they were back then. Lord God, it's timeless truth. Help us tonight to take it in, receive it, Lord, as your word. Father, I pray, Lord, if there be people around us that can benefit from this teaching, Lord God, that we'll we'll impart it to them. And Lord, if we need it in our own personal life, that we'll receive it, Lord, as you intend. Holy Spirit of God, help us tonight to to preach and teach what you have us to say and nothing more. And we'll give you all the praise and glory tonight, Father, for what you're doing in our lives through the, through the word of God. And we, we thank you for Jesus. And press, in, in his name we pray. Amen. All right. Proverbs 20. Y'all pray for me tonight. I just, I don't know. I just feel a little,
0: I don't know, a little
1: off. But we'll be all right. God take control. Proverbs 23, 1 through 8. Tonight we're going to look at some words of the wise. And, and, and we're still looking at conduct. This is all about personal conduct. But but God is giving some some warnings. He's given through Solomon th- some words uh, to to help us to be wise. And and these there, there's wisdom in the in some do not warnings. And God's given some do not warnings here. And uh, and these verses that we're looking at this time, they're a warning against the evils of chasing after money, chasing after wealth and i don't think anybody in here is necessarily bent on trying to get filthy rich i hope not but uh you know but there are people in this world who do that there are plenty of people in this world who do that who spend their who spend their lives chasing after a dollar bill who spend their who spend their their time that they could have spent in the service of the lord or in the, or in the the uh Building of a family, building of a life, working on their marriage, raising their children. They spend it chasing more and more money. And that's really what the idea behind this is tonight, is God's warning against that. And uh, it's not a browbeating to those who are just trying to make ends meet that are struggling, just paycheck to paycheck and having a hard time making it. I'm not here to beat up on anybody who's in that shape. This is about keeping up with the Joneses. Trying to compete for a, for a, a level of prestige and what other people think about you. And I, I mean, there there are subdivisions in Paris, Texas, and I'm not gonna call their names, but there's there's some over there, and uh, and we used to go out and knock doors and we'd go to the poorest neighborhoods because that's that's where the people were who knew they needed Jesus. But we, you know, I had some people in the church say, "Well, why don't we ever go out to the to the to the hills and?" And uh, Oak Creek and all those places, and I said, "Well, let's just gather up and go, and I'll show you." And we went down one street. We knocked on, we knocked on, I don't know, we knocked on three or four doors, and we were told pretty quickly we did, we didn't belong there, we weren't needed there. Everybody there was fine, had everything they needed. And we could just scoot on over to the poor side of town because they had everything. They had their 2.5 kids, their bass boat, and their four wheel drive, and they didn't need us. They didn't need Jesus, and, and that was that was made plain to me by. Several grown men who looked me in the face and told me such. And so, again, it's that that group of people that I'm really addressing tonight. Of course, they're not going to hear it. You're going to hear it, but you know what? We need to know it, amen. So let's look at it tonight, and let's see here what we what we can get out of it. But before we get into the well, I think like let's go ahead and read. Let's go ahead and read verses one through eight, if you would read those with me. It says, "When thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee." And put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. Labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye. Neither desire thou his dainty meat's. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. The morsel which thou hast eaten shalt thou vomit up and lose thy sweet words. Okay. Now, like I said, before we go off into this, I want us to look at a passage in the New Testament where Paul covers this subject. He does. He covers this passage that we're looking at tonight. He doesn't do it word for word, but he covers the same idea 1 Timothy chapter 6. Turn over there with me. 1 Timothy chapter 6. and We'll begin there in verse 6 and look through verse 10. 1 Timothy 6, 6. 1 Timothy 6, 6. <coughs> I'll give you about five more seconds. 1 Timothy 6, 6. <coughs> All right. It says there, but godliness with contentment, is great gain. Now, what does that mean? That means if you have if you have uh, come to know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, and you have, begin, have begun a life of separation unto God, you are separating from the sin in your life. The Holy Spirit of God points as you grow as a believer, the Holy Spirit points out things that don't belong in the life of the believer and you repenting before God and, and confessing and getting those things out of your life. You're drawing nearer to God. You're getting deeper in your relationship with Him. And you know what? You find out, that all the things that you used to lust after and chase after, those things, have, you've lost a taste for those things. They don't appeal to you like they used to. All the glitz and glamour of this world has lost its sparkle and shine, and you find all that when you're in the pages of the Word of God and you realize what a relationship you have with God. That's what Paul's trying to say in a nutshell. Godliness, being close to God and being happy with that relationship and not needing everything else, that is true riches. That's what Paul's saying. That's what real riches are. That's spiritual riches. And he says, for we brought nothing into this world. I, I was there when Savannah was born. I was there when all my kids were born. None of them come out with a suitcase. Now, they did have an umbilical cord. I will say that. But they cut that thing right off. Amen? So they didn't get to keep that either. And, and the stump that was on there fell off. So they didn't get to keep that either. They didn't get nothing. And the hair fell out, too. There wasn't nothing they got to keep. Amen. You don't keep nothing when you come in. You ain't bringing nothing with you. And he said, "Miss, certain we can carry nothing out." You say, "Well, they're wearing a suit. That uh, you ain't got that. That's just that's a body. That ain't you. You don't carry nothing when you go. You just go with. And where you going is bound on what you do with Jesus and nothing else. And all right. And he said, "In having food and raiment, in other words, food and clothing." Paul said, "If we got something to eat." and we got some warm clothes on us, man, let us be content. Let's be happy with having that, having our creature comforts taken care of. Praise God, we eat out in the cold and hungry. That's what he's saying. Think about it. You are better off than so many other people in this world. And so I guess what he's saying is you ought to have the proper perspective in life. It's so good to have the proper perspective and understand what really doing without is. So a lot of people have never had to do without and they don't know what it means to do without. They don't know what it means to suffer and have to have to do without a meal because they've never missed one. They've never known what it's like to be outside in the cold and have to deal with it because you ain't got no coat. Now I've been in that shape but it was my own fault because I I forgot to wear a coat and I froze to death nearly. You know, but that that you learn a lesson though. You learn, boy, I'm glad I wouldn't have to be this way every day. Amen. I have had to go without food. You know, I, there was times when, when my daddy said, no, we ain't get nothing to eat. We get this job done. It took all day long. I starved starving to death when the day was over with. I know what i like to do without. I didn't have to because I was so broke I couldn't do it. It's because he made me go that way. All right. But I, I have felt those pangs of hunger, but I ain't never had to suffer like other people have. So I've had it pretty good. I can't really say, I, I can't really say I've can't say i ever had too many I mean, I've had, I've been some I've been in some weird situations and most of those times for my own doing. But I but most of the time I say ninety eight percent of the time, I didn't have to do without. That's been really good to me. And he said and so since I got that I ought to just be happy and I ought not be uh wanting more than what I don't more than what I have. But he goes on and he says, But they that will be rich, that's those who have a desire that I'm gonna be rich. I'm gonna those those people that Follow those ads on on computers that talk about, well, get, you know, follow me and I'll show you how to make tons of money on the Internet or follow me and do this and and this pyramid scheme and you'll get rich. There's people who who get caught up in that. They that will be rich. I I talked to y'all about my brother before, back when Excel Telephone was was a big thing. And and, uh, y'all remember Excel Telephone? It was a pyramid scheme. He fell into that thing. And I remember he called me, and I went over to his house. He said, he said yeah. He said, the guy the guy above me, he told me, he said, I need to go out to the parking lot. They'd go out to the, the car dealership and drive around and look at new trucks. He said, I told me that's what I'll be doing because I'm fixing to be buying a new one pretty soon. You know, again, he got sucked in that thing. That didn't last for about six weeks, and he ended up losing more money than he made. You know, but they will be rich. It looked good to him at the moment. They fall into temptation and a snare. They get caught up in that world of I got to I got to keep I just got to do this and I got to do that and then I'll make more money I, just a little more time here and a little more this and I, then I'll make more money. It's, it's a temptation and a snare, and in the many foolish and hurtful lusts. Because when you're addicted to money, the other things go along with it. There's a lot of other addictions that go along with the addiction to money, and the Bible says these things drown men in destruction. And perdition. In other words, they take them away from God and straight down the hill. For the money, look here. For the love of money is the root of all evil. What's this? Why? Not money is the root of all evil, but the love of it, the, the the lust. I gotta have more money. I gotta. I gotta get it. I gotta get it. I gotta get it. The said that's where the root of all evil comes from. That's the root of all evil. Which is which? While some coveted after, people got caught up in it. They have aired. From the faith. Why? Because you can't chase the dollar and chase God at the same time. You're running in two different directions. They've coveted after they've erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. In other words, they're paying the price. Now, let's get into Proverbs, and we'll hurry and get done. Now that this gives us a little bit better, clearer picture of what we're looking at. So, verse 1, do not be deceived at the ruler's table. All right, when thou finished to eat with a ruler, I always thought that was funny as my kid, like, well, he could have used a fork, couldn't he? But he used a ruler. But anyway, when thou sendest to eat with a ruler, amen, uh, or somebody important, a big shot, somebody who's influential is what we're saying, consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite, be not desirous of his dainties for their deceitful meat. So when you sit down to eat, you get a generous invitation to eat with powerful people at a table loaded with delicious, well-prepared food, okay? That's kind of like what Daniel and his companions faced in Daniel chapter 1 when they first got into Babylon. And they saw that these are good-looking guys. They've got a good head on their shoulder. And so the king brought them in, and, and, and he, he wanted to feed them of the finest foods there was in the land. But the Bible said there in Daniel one, eight through fifteen, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. He said, I don't want to go down there, I don't want to eat, I don't want to eat caviar, I don't want to eat lobster, I don't want to eat things there is to eat in the land. I don't want all that stuff and get a taste for that and then depend on it. No. He said, he said to the prince of the eunuchs, he said, I fear my lord the king. No, nah, I missed a verse there. And now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. So this guy thought a lot of him. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who hath appointed your meat and drink. For why should he see your faces worse, lacking than the children that are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. In other words... If you don't go eat that good food, you're going to dry up, and you won't look worth nothing. And he's going to get mad at me to take my head off. That's what he was saying. And Daniel said, Daniel said to Melzar, which is the prince of the eunuchs that served so Daniel, Hanai, Mishael, and Azariah. That's Adrast, Meshach, and Abednego. Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days. Let us do it for ten days, and give us pulse—that's vegetables. Give us just vegetables to eat and water to drink. We'll eat carrots and broccoli and drink water for a week or whatever. And, and just do that. He said, And then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat the portion of the king's meat, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants, which one of us doing better. So he consented to do them in this manner and proved them ten days, and at the end of the ten days, their countenances approved fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Okay? So, wanted favors. That's why this meal was set up. The rich don't give away favors for free. There's always a price tag. They want something in return. And it's generally a whole lot more than what they've invested. Okay? They're trying to buy you. I could say something about political fame, but I'm not going to do that right now. But anyway, so let me give you an example of of a situation like this in modern day. You, you, you take, for example, a, a young singer that has got a wonderful voice and just just an innocent kid from a small town, and somebody from a record label hears their voice, and they contact them. They bring them in. They, they take them into Los Angeles, and they say, man, we want to get you under contract. So they take them down to a fine restaurant. They surround them with beautiful people. They surround them with luxury and anything they want and promise them more than they could ever imagine. And they throw that contract in front of them. They say, just sign here, and you'll have everything that you want. You'll just have to do a few things that we want you to do. You'll be just fine. And so they get caught up in it, and they sign their name on the dotted line. And the problem is you can lose your soul in the exchange. That's the problem. And it's blatantly obvious by the lives of some of these pop singers who started out so innocently, and now they openly worship Lucifer on stage. There was a guy that that was at the Grammys maybe a year or two ago named Sam Smith. Now, this guy, he's he's full-blown Satanist now, but when he got into it, he was just a dorky little ordinary-looking guy when he got in the music business. There's a woman that goes by the name of Doja Cat. I don't know these people. I just know of them from the Internet. Believe me, I don't listen to their music. But they're both they both just as evil as openly satanic as can be. And both of them started out just nerdy little kids. You know, what I mean just, just average people when they got into it. But they got in there, they signed up and the record company said, Okay, you're going to promote what we want you to promote. We own you. Your likeness, your voice, we own you. They own everything. See, when again, there's a reason why you don't just endear yourself to rich and powerful people. And that's what God's warning again. He says, consider, deal it. and it happens with movie stars, it happens with TV stars, they're going to blackmail them, they're going to hold something over them, they're going to threaten them, they're going to do whatever they can to get every little thing they can out of that person and cast them aside when they're done. That's how the devil works. And that's the ruler that God's warning against. He said, consider diligently what is before thee. Don't be a fool, don't just fly into some kind of a decision. And don't be overwhelmed, and don't be seduced by the atmosphere of power and luxury, because that's what the devil would do. That's what. Do you remember what he did to Jesus when he took him up to a high point and showed him all the world, and said, "All oh, this is mine. You can have it all. If you just bow down before me." No different than what I'm telling you tonight. It's the same story because it's the same people, it's the same devil, it's the same temptation. you're vulnerable to these temptations, then beware. He said, put a knife to your throat. Man, that sounds terrible. It's just an expression. It's just an expression. It's a metaphor. It's like saying, hold your horses or "or control yourself. Bite your tongue. You don't literally mean bite your tongue. You mean stop talking, all right? And you don't mean put a knife to your throat. You mean back up. Hold up. Wait a minute. Okay? It's... See, the problem is it's a shame for a saint of God to be a slave to their palate. I'll give you an example. Somebody that was in the Bible, Isaac was. Seemed like an unusual person to bring up, but Isaac was. He had an addiction to venison. He did, I'll tell you, right here in the Word of God, in Genesis, uh, Genesis 25, 28, it says, And Isaac loved Esau. Why did he love him so much? Because he did eat of his venison. Read it right there in the Bible. That was why I really was crazy about that boy. So I said, "Man, he'd always bring me deer meat. I love it. I love it, deer meat." He said, "He he said, but but Rebecca loved Jacob, and Jacob Jacob was in the house, and he's sodden pottage, which means he's he's in there making chili, what we look, really call it, because he made it was deer meat. He, he he you know I guess it was deer meat. I'm assuming it was deer meat, but it was red pottage. And Esau came from the field, and he was faint. Man, he's tired of been out there hunting." It's like, man, I've been up since early, since before daylight. I ain't had a thing to eat. I'm starving to death. That deer, that deer finally come out this afternoon. I ain't think it was ever going to see no deer. I got that joker. I'm starving to death. I know. I, I, I feel where he's coming from. I've been deer hunting all day long. Ain't mm-hmm. eat nothing. You get hungry. You sit out in the woods all day. <laughs> Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I'm faint. Therefore was his name called Edom, and he, Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. Hey, do you want some potties? Do you want some of this chili? Hey, I need something in return. Kind of like a ruler, huh? Because who was in charge that day? Who's hungry? Who's in need? Who's the poor man? Esau's the poor man. Jacob's a rich man in the kitchen, got a big old bowl of chili. Oh, man, please feed me, feed me, feed me. He said, Give, sell me your birthright. And that's not just anything. That That's just... That's basically his authorization to leave the family once Isaac's gone. That's, him, that's, his, that's his, uh, his property rights. That's his, uh, his uh, leadership of the family rights, spiritual leadership rights. That's everything. And what did he say? He said, man, I'm at the point to die. I'm about dying here. I'm starving to death. My sides my are touching. My, belly, my backbone and my belly's touching. I'm dying here. What profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob says, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. And so it was Isaac's lust for deer meat, for venison, that gave opportunity for Esau to throw away his family's spiritual leadership and for Jacob to become a deceiver in order to get it. You know what? That's kind of like what we're going to see when we go over to Galatians chapter 6, where it talks about, you know, what, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And because he had a lust for venison like he did, it opened the opportunity, the door of opportunity there. Anyway, so he said, if thou be a man given to appetite, given to appetite. Now, we're, we're talking about food right there, but, but this can be interpreted broadly with a reference to all appetites, not just food appetites. You know, Philippians 4, 5 kind of goes along with this, which says, let your moderation be made known unto all men. So be moderate. In other words, whatever it is, be willing to set it down or pick it up, whatever you got to do, but not something, I got to have it, I got to have it. You know, don't let something control your life, okay? You know, I, there's some people that, and, well, let me just put it this way. I, I'll tell off on myself. There was a time, it ain't anymore, but there was a time, where if if you brought Coca-Colas into my house, I'm going to drink them. I'm addicted to Coca-Cola. I love Coca-Cola. I'd drink them like water. I I mean, I would. When I was a kid, when I was a teenager, you couldn't keep Cokes in the house. I'd sit up all night and drink the whole 12-pack. I mean, I just hooked on Cokes. But I'm, praise God, I I don't don't feel that way about them anymore. Hallelujah. It's probably a good thing my kidney's going to fall out if I didn't quit. But, you know, I conquered that one, praise God. But, you know, I feel the very same way about ice cream and powdered sugar donuts. Don't bring them into the house because I'm going to eat them. I got two bags of powdered sugar donuts my wife brought home the other day from the grocery store. I said, why are you trying to fatten me up? Because you obviously are. You know, I got a weakness for that, and you brought it in the house, two bags. She didn't say nothing, but anyway. Uh, but I don't need to keep stuff like that in the house if I can't control myself. And, you know, again, God's warning us about things that we can't control. But the idea here is is about lust for more and more money. So, again, that's what the, 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 the passage tonight is really talking about. And, and Ezekiel, I'm sorry, Ezekiel, Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10, Solomon said there, he said, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. The more money you get, the more money you want. You can't just have a little bit of it and say, well, i got got plenty. No, I, I better get some more because I'm, I'm going to spend this. So he that, that loveth, still, it's not. I, you know, I know that money's necessary. And you know that money's necessary. And it's one thing to say, man, I'm glad i got enough money to bank pay my bills and buy groceries. That's good. But you know what? I don't need to go back and look at my money, my bank account, four, 14 times a day just so I can ooh, i got that much money in the bank. Ooh, i got that much money in the bank. Hey, listen, that's loving it. That's like hanging a picture of my loved one on the wall so I can look at it every now and then and remember how much I love him. I don't need to check on my bank account. It's, I don't need to be obsessed with my money. And that's what he's saying. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. The more he gets, the more he wants. He said this is also vanity, which means it's emptiness. Temporary happiness has many a has kept many a man and a woman worshipping at the altar of sacrifice to the almighty dollar and enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season and ended up missing out on eternal life because they were chasing after a dollar. Matthew five twenty nine and 30, Jesus said, And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out, and cast it from thee, for it's profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, and cast it from thee, for it's profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And what he's saying is this. If your eye is so fixated on money, you'd be better off to cut your eye out where you can't even see the money than to chase money the rest of your life and die and go to hell. You'd be better off to cut your hand off where you couldn't put money in your pocket than you would be to chase it the rest of your life and die and go to hell if you ignore God in the process. That's the point. Because whatever it is, it says offend thee. When it says offend thee, it means keep you from God. So he's warning about these. So for their deceitful meat, so the ruler's table may be your ruin. So you may get so seduced by the atmosphere of power and luxury that you surrender what should not be surrendered. You promise what should not be promised, and by doing this, you worship and serve that which should not be worshipped and served. So the warning. It's not to indulge in this impressive feast. The ruler wants something from you, and he's watching you, and he's trying to learn you, and he's trying to take something from you. And he says, don't make an idol of wealth. Secondly, verses 4 and 5, don't make an idol out of wealth. Labor not to be rich. Feast from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven, and I, it says, "Labor not to be rich." It sounds like a contradiction because there's been plenty of times that the Book of Proverbs has rebuked and mocked a lazy man. Okay, because he didn't do nothing, he won't do nothing. He's going to lay around. He put his hand, won't even lift his hand. To his mouth, he's so lazy. But that doesn't mean that work and the wealth that comes from the work. Could be made into an idol, and that's what's that's what he's warning again. Not just hard work, sure. Get everybody get up, and go work, and work hard, and, and make a good living. But but don't don't make that your idol. Now, I know there's plenty of people who say, "Well, I would never make an idol out of it. I hated working." Well, but there's some people who love it. They love it to the point that they don't even come home hardly because they're too busy working. They'd rather work than be home, and they miss out on their family. They miss out on church. They miss out on the Lord. They miss out on a relationship with him. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with working hard. But when we make riches the goal in life, when it takes priority over God and family, then we've gone too far. And at that point, we need to repent of our idolatry and put our priorities back in proper order. Because we know better than that as believers. We know better than to worship money and make money our, our idol. Because he says riches certainly make themselves wings, and certainly there's wisdom in working hard for sure. I'm not again. I'm not against working hard, but we don't live for the riches that may come from that work. It's a byproduct. We have to have it, but we don't live for it. It's not like, ooh, I got my paycheck. Oh, just want to kiss it. No, no, I don't live for it. I live for the Lord. I live for my family. I live for the people around me who care about me and love me, I don't live for my paycheck and my wallet. The riches are too vulnerable and too temporary to be our focus, Be especially to be the focus of our life. Money comes and goes. You know, it really does. The Bible says
0: it'll fly away like
1: an eagle toward heaven, which if you got a dollar bill, Look on the back. What's on there? There's a pyramid with a capstone coming down, which tells you all about the New World Order that they want to put in place. And then on the other side, there's an eagle. And you know what? He'll take off on you and be gone, too. <laughs> He'll take off in a hurry. He's hard to hang on to. He'll fly away. Amen? All right. <clears throat> and lastly, one of y'all was looking for. Don't eat at the table of a stingy man. Verses six through eight. Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye; neither desire thou his dainty meats. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. The morsel which thou hast eaten, shalt thou vomit up and lose thy sweet words. So, eat not the the not the bread of him that hath an evil eye. The ruler's table was a dangerous place to be because he could take advantage of you, but so is the table of a miser. That's what we're talking about. The one that has an evil or a stingy eye. The miser, that's who we're talking about. This man with the evil eye. He's envious. He's a covetous man. He wants things. He's hungry to get, he's lusting after money. That's his focus and his goal. That's his, that's his goal in life is, is to get all the money he can get. And and that man, he may have you at his table, but he secretly resents you because he gave you meat to eat. And you're eating his meat. So he's sitting there. He may have invited you, but while you're eating his food, he's, he's mad at you because you're eating his food, costing him money. That's the, that's the man we're talking about. You say people like it exist? Yeah, they do. They resent you because you're eating their food. They invited you to supper. Why? Because his focus in life is not you and your friendship. It's getting rich. And that focus consumes him. Proverbs 28, verse 22 says, He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye. There it is. It's right there in the Bible. So the person who's in a hurry to be rich... He's got to take advantage of people to get there. There's no other way. You don't make it that way unless you step on other people. And that's what—that's why he feels the way he does about the guy he invited to supper. He just won't take advantage of him, and he hates the fact that he's got to feed him in the process. Describe the attitude of this man in the parable of the workers in the vineyard. I don't know if you all remember this story, but I'll, I'll refresh your memory. He tells us the parable about... A man that had a vineyard, he went out and found workers to work in his vineyard. He found some early in the day, found some mid-morning, he found some at noon, found some mid-afternoon, found some at the 11th hour, right before, an hour before quitting time. And they all worked, and pay time came. It says in verse 8, when the evening was even was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto his steward, call the laborers and give them their hire. And he hired them all for a penny. Said, well, that wasn't much. Well, it was a long time ago. I guess penny was worth more. That was a, by the way, a penny was a day's wage back then, just so you understand. So they were all getting paid a day's wage. So he said, call the laborers and give them their hire beginning from the last unto the first. So when they came that were hired about the 11th hour, so they were hired an hour before quitting time, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, the ones he hired first about six o'clock in the morning, they supposed they should have received more. And when they received, likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, well, these last have brought but one hour, and now it's made them equal to us, which have borne the burden in the heat of the day. And he answered one of them, saying, friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst thou not agree with me for a penny? Didn't we agree on that when we started? Take what thine is and go thy way. That's yours. It's your penny. Go. I will give unto this last even as unto thee. Is it not lawful unto me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I'm good? What does he say because I'm doing this my way. Listen, I hired y'all all the same price. I said, man, well, my it's my money. It's my faith, scale. You will not agree to it. You're, you're looking at me with this evil eye. You got this stingy I'd like to hurt you because I don't think you're doing me right because I want to make money. You you should you rip me off. He didn't rip them off. He told them ahead of time. You know, by the way, <clears throat> whether you this, that's a spiritual picture, by the way. Now, whether, whether you got saved when you were a little kid and you served God your whole life, or whether you got saved on your deathbed and never had a chance to do anything like the thief on the cross, the pays the same. Heaven's heaven, amen. Heaven be just as good for the man that's saved minute the minute before he died it would be the man that served God all the whole life. <laughs> and ain't nobody, ain't nobody going to get up there and get mad, I can promise you. Nobody's going to swell up up there and say, well, I served you my whole life. He didn't got saved right before he died. Nobody's going to do that. But God's given us a picture to show how silly this is worrying about fussing over wages. But the resentment, resentment there was because of greed. That was all it was. He was greedy. They were greedy. They said, hey, hey, we don't like the way you do things. We don't like the way you pay people. i back to our stingy man. He said, eat and drink. Sit down. Hey, man, get you a plate. Get you a big glass. Sit down here with me. He says that to his guests. But that ain't what he's feeling like in his heart. The Bible says his heart's not with you. He don't really want you to enjoy yourself at his table because he wants the food for himself. Fend him if you're foolish enough to believe what he says because, again, he don't want you to enjoy yourself. You say, oh, hey, give me another help. Boy, he'd get mad as the devil at you. He ain't going to enjoy that. The miser's a miserable person, and he wishes you'd choke on your food. And all the while, he's making a big show of hospitality and trying to make you feel like you're special even though he's mad at you the whole time. And again, this, this is a total contrast to the invitation of the gospel. The gospel table is ready. All the invitations have been sent out. And the only qualification we need is to be hungry and accept the invitation and eat of what God has given us to eat. And what we find is the more that we eat, the hungrier we get. Amen? With every bite of mouthful of what God has given us, it just increases our appetite all the more. But with this man, he says, the morsel which thou hast eaten shalt thou vomit up. The table of the miser is such an unpleasant experience that the food that you enjoyed will come back to haunt you. The pleasant words that was talked about at his table seemed wasted in the end. I think about old Dr. John R. Rice. He had a pamphlet with his title. It said, all Satan's apples have worms. Amen? And the miser's table is that way. You'll never enjoy eating with that fella. And, you know, the Proverbs that we're looking at tonight, these things contradict so hard, the common notion that Proverbs regards the rich and, and righteous man as favored by God. There's a lot of people in this world who think that. They say, "Man, somebody got a lot of money, a lot of power. Well, hey, God really blessed them." Well, that ain't necessarily so. You know, that, that that's false doctrine. God never said that. You know, people like Joel Osteen and Kenneth Copeland. And Paula White and T D Jakes and Jesse Duplantis and Benny Hinn and Creflo Dollar and Joyce Myers—they all preach that false message that you know if if you you know God God will make you rich if you follow Him. It's not the Bible. To the contrary, the wealthy people are often viewed as suspicious, and and, and their companies not always valued. Can't trust them. Why? Because, again, they chase them after something besides God. So to take this all the way back to where we started, Paul tells us where the true riches lie. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. He said, but they that be rich will fall into temptation and a snare. For the love of money is the root of all evil, while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The best thing we can do in life, yes, work hard, make a living, take care of your family, take care of others. If God gives you an abundance, invest it back into his work. Don't save it up and try to make a fortune for yourself. Invest in true riches that will follow you on beyond this world. <coughs> There's plenty of places where there are people trying to serve God. And we need to be we need to be accomplished those goals. All right, let's stand together. Praise the Lord. Glad you come to church tonight. All right. Any announcements? Anything I need to remember?
0: Nothing? Okay. Well, praise
1: God and shame on the devil. Amen. Let's get out of here and serve the Lord. There ain't a mark on tomorrow's slate. Let's just get out of here and start out and serve the Lord tomorrow and try to do his will. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Be dismissed. Byron, dismiss us in prayer. (laughs)